Is it possible that a love for typography and graphic design can have something to do with the life of faith? I happen to think it can. Stay tuned. Hello friends, Pastor Tim Westermeyer here. Good to be with you today as always. A little while ago, we did a number of episodes that were Q&A, question and answer. People submitted questions to me and I responded. No doubt we'll do another series of those in the future. I will tell you though, in a conversation with one listener, uh, after those came out, she said, I'm, I'm being in earnest about this, I'm not making this up. She said, you know, this interest you have in typography, it might kind of be interesting to hear you talk a little bit about that. Um, and so I want to say just a few words about it today. I, I actually, Reformation Sunday this past year, my sermon uh, was sort of keyed around issues of typography, or at least that's how I opened it up to get to some of the achievements of Martin Luther. We'll link to that sermon in this episode. Uh, it is true that, as I, and I mentioned this in the sermon, as anyone who's ever worked with me knows, uh, either in churches or in my uh, career before ministry in the world of public relations, I have a, uh, I don't know, call it an interest, a passion uh, for typography and graphic design. And so I'm just going to say a few words, uh, this may or may not interest you, but a few words about uh, the elements of typography, sort of in three broad categories. I'm not going to be able to be exhaustive here, obviously. The first broad category I would say would be categories of styles of type. So that would include uh, Roman, and we get the name Roman uh, from Roman inscriptions, on, particularly Trajan's column. You can Google that and look it up. But that means the sort of upright uh, text that we're used to seeing. Then there's Italic, which is a much later development in the 1500s in Italy, which is the slanted kind. Um, then there's also uh, two other categories that are often used, serif, or sans serif, or sans serif. Sans is, of course, the French word for without, and serif is the little sort of squiggly things at the corners of, of type. We'll probably, I'm hoping we can show some examples of this. And then two other categories would be uh, display or script. So between those six, uh, Roman, Italic, serif, sans serif, display, and, and script, you get a pretty broad expanse of the types of uh, type that you can use. So then within any of those, um, I'm just going to lift up a few things that actually uh, characterize any given uh, typeface design, and maybe we'll use examples from a couple of typefaces we use routinely here at St. Philip the Deacon, which are uh, Myriad and Arno Pro. And some of the design characteristics that uh, make a particular typeface look the way it, it does would be things like the cap height, or that means the height literally of a capital letter. There's also the X height, that would be the height of a lowercase letter. There's the ascender height, that would be on letters like B or D or H or K or L, where there's a part of the letter goes up. If you look closely at different typefaces, you'll see that some of those ascenders are higher, some are lower. That impacts the way the typeface looks. Then there's the 
um, I don't know if it's the opposite of an ascender, but sort of is the descender. So that would be the part that goes down on letters like G or J or P or Q or Y. Uh, I'm talking about the lowercase letters there. And then, of course, there's the weight of a letter. And many typefaces will come in a variety of weights from very sort of heavy or black or bold to very light. And, and actually, I guess the other characteristic would be uh, whether they're condensed or not uh, as, a, as the letters themselves. Um, so that's the second is some design characteristics of a particular typeface. And, and back to the X height, by the way, for example, and, and again, we'll try to show this. If you have two, let's say, alphabets or two sentences with uh, typefaces that are different, the X height is going to make one look maybe a lot smaller than the other typeface, even though they're the same size, uh, point size. Okay, then the third thing is layout, uh, and that would include things like leading. So a line of type has uh, a space between the next line of type that is called the leading. Um, for historic reasons, I'm not going to get into uh, here. Um, there's tracking, which is how far apart each letter space is or how tight it is uh, to the ones to the right and left of it. There's a, a sort of more focused part of that called kerning where you actually, a designer will go in and fine tune the spacing between one letter and another letter. Um, maybe uh, I should have thought of a good example of this, but uh, maybe if there's a Y um, and a, a letter like an O, they might make those come a little tighter so there's not a lot of space between uh, those two characters. Um, and then there's also line length uh, gets into how you lay out a page. Um, interesting fact. Uh, tip, a good line length for readability would be between 40 to 60 characters typically. Now, again, I could go on and on about this. I can't explain my interest in typography and graphic design, but I know that I am fascinated by it. I'm, I, I, I'm not a professional designer. I'm not a professional type designer, but I'm fascinated by the craft and I, I love sort of studying it, which makes me, I recognize, um, I don't know if you want to use the word peculiar, quirky, uh, whatever it means, I'm different from people who don't uh, share that passion. And I want to bring this around now as we conclude to a couple of theological points about this, lifting up, or actually one basic point, lifting up a couple of different authors. Uh, the first is, again, my dear friend C.S. Lewis, and I've quoted this essay before. It's an essay called Membership. And again, the whole point of this essay is that as members of the body of Christ, uh, we are not all identical, but quite the opposite. We are, in fact, all different. And I'm going to read just a little uh, portion of this where he's talking about our, our what he calls our true personality, which we will only ever discover fully um, in the life to come. But he says, true personality lies ahead, and the key to it does not lie in ourselves. It will not be attained by development from within outwards. It will come to us when we occupy those places in the structure of the eternal cosmos for which we were designed or invented. Now, again, he goes on a little bit, but this is worth hearing. As a color first reveals its true quality when placed by an excellent artist in its pre-selected spot or pre-elected spot between certain others. As a spice reveals its true flavor when inserted just where and when a good cook wishes among the other ingredients. 
Um, as the dog becomes really doggy, only when he has taken his place in the household of man, so we shall then be f first be true persons when we have suffered ourselves to be fitted into our places, those places designed for us. We are marble waiting to be shaped, metal waiting to be run into a mold. And then he says this, no doubt there are already, even in the unregenerate self, faint hints of what mold each is designed for, um, or what sort of pillar he will be. And for me, again, so what he's saying is, there's a place for Tim Westermeyer in all eternity, which God has created, and I'd like to believe that that place includes, um, in a full and perfect way, my love for typography, which in this life is only sort of um, a shadow of what it will eventually be. And I think, as Christians, we are invited and called to celebrate those passions, those interests, those differences which make us who we are because it turns out, I believe, that those differences, those passions help to bring about God's kingdom a little more fully here. I say that in all humility. I'm not saying that's a result of me. I'm saying that it's God, you know, hopefully working through me. Uh, which brings me to the final quote. And again, this is also something I've lifted up, I think, before from a little book called Freedom for Ministry by Richard John Newhouse. Um, and here again, he's talking about this thing uh, about being called to be different and how hard that is in this life because we don't want to stick out. We don't want to be perceived as unusual. We don't want to be perceived as different. We want to sort of fit into the crowd, right? And he says... Um, that that fear basically works against what God is trying to accomplish through us and through our relationship with other members of the body. And he says simply this, when we are afraid to act upon the difference to which we are called, we inhibit others from acting upon the difference to which they are called. In my case, part of that difference happens to be a love for typography. I don't know quite how, but I pray that God is going to use that to accomplish God's purposes in the world. And I also pray that God will use whatever differences make up you as the special individual you are to do the same. Thanks as always for being with me. Be well, stay in touch, and God bless. Mm -hmm.